Hey, what's up? Hello, this is Admin Cubana coming back at you with another episode of the Unladylike Lounge podcast. And today I'm joined by the talented Yellow the Poet. How are you, sir? I am awesome, and I truly thank you for having me on your show today. I appreciate that a lot. We we appreciate you coming by the lounge, absolutely. Now, can you brag on yourself a little bit? Tell us a bit about yourself. Well, I'm a, I'm a poet, and I'm also an author. I'm okay. also a motivational speaker. I actually speak and help people to build relationships. And yeah. when I say relationships, we talk about relationships of all kinds. There is no specifics as they say that it's just about couples. No, it's of all kinds. So all kinds. To my we main things. <laughs> that, that we got multifaceted. I love it. We 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 in there. We we about to we about to cover it all. Let's just say that yes. we about to cover it all. Now you're from Chicago. What was it like growing up on the South Side? Because I let me tell you, I've I've been there. I wasn't supposed to be there, but I've been there. I, Cicero, Shamrock. If you know, you know. I, yes, I've I do. Yes, been I do. there by accident. So, what was it like growing up on the South Side? Oh my goodness! I can honestly tell you that being in Chicago, growing up, it was really rough, and especially in my neighborhood. I started out in a predominantly black neighborhood but i ended up in a mixed neighborhood so living in a predominantly black neighborhood which was literally that land where the new comiskey park is for the white Sox. that land that's where i grew up at they moved us up out of there and most of us didn't get paid for that movement Mm. and when they took us up out of there, it was crazy because a lot of people ended up passing away due to a lot of stress and just not being able to adapt to change. So it was mm-hmm. tough. I dealt with a lot of racism. It was, oh. goodness. As being in that area, dealing with different, because it was mostly Blacks and Whites, but on one side of the street, you had the Blacks, and on the other side of the street, you had the white people. And mm-hmm. A lot of the younger white people, I wouldn't say the older ones, but a lot of the younger ones at that time, they were super racist. And I mean, they would come off calling you the N-word and trying to fight us. And it was just, it was rough. Then going to school in the morning, a lot of times I would see dead bodies. You got to step over those bodies and keep it moving because you don't want to get blamed for anything. So that's the way it is. Uh, (laughs) A lot of gang shooting fighting like oh my goodness I grew up through it all (laughs) all of it all of it and see I feel like that's a that's a common misconception people have about Chicago because when you I mean I'm from Wisconsin I'm literally right across the border so (laughs) even even here when we hear Chicago we just think of you know the gang violence we just think of the you know the black on black crime we don't stop to think like there's racism there too there's the white you know the the racism the we don't stop to think about that. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm glad you, I mean, obviously I hate that you experienced that. There, nobody should ever experience anything like True. that. True. But it's, I, I'm glad that you brought that up. That is something that needs to be addressed and needs to be brought to the attention of the world because people don't stop to think about that when it comes to Chicago. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, how old were you when you found a passion for poetry? Oh my goodness. Believe it or not, I was actually seven years old. And wow. there were a multitude of things that actually helped me to develop this passion. 
I was going through some tough times. Um, my mom and dad had divorced like two years before that. And I was going through a situation where my I felt like my parents didn't want to have anything to do with me because I was the firstborn mm -hmm. for those two. And they never came around. They even when I was born, my grandmother, my great grandmother on my mom's side were the ones who were taking care of me. But then after that, from five years old on up into my young adulthood, that was my grandmother on my dad's side of the family. And I hardly seen my mom and dad that much. So it was crazy. And a couple of times, even when I did see them, they didn't even say anything to me, didn't interact with me or anything. So wow. these things right here led me into a lot of anger. And it was one of my teachers who actually was also my dad's teacher who was telling me just find a way to deal with your problems. And he said, what do you like? What do you like doing? I said, I like drawing. And he was like, okay, that's a good outlet. He said, but let me give you some, you know, tips about things that you can actually do. He said, you can also write. And I was like, write, write about what? He said, you can write about anything, write about your story, write about your life, write about things that's happening so you can do it however you want to. So I started learning about Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> hey! <laughs> yes! Yes! And checking out Edgar Allan Poe's story, it made me want to actually pick a creative way to write about things that happen to me and around me. And mm -hmm. from that point on, poetry became my outlet. It was it was something that I embraced, and I embraced it heavily. And that same teacher scared the heck out of me because I wrote a poem. I can't remember what it was because it was in eighth grade. So <laughs> <laughs> I wrote a poem and he actually forced me to get on stage and recite that poem a lot. What? <laughs> Oh my yeah. god, like you know, Scary. I would have known yeah. this. <laughs> oh exactly. my god. That was one of those moments. Oh <laughs> but no. It was crazy because I got a standing ovation for the poem. And wow. from that point on, it inspired me to actually speak out a little bit more because I was that quiet, shy type. I didn't really say too much of anything. I got picked on. People were trying to bully me. I guess they thought that just because I was quiet, I wouldn't fight, but they found that out the hard way, so. <laughs> like, mm, don't start none, won't be nothing, but you did. <laughs> Pretty much, right? Oh my goodness. I I love the fact that you, you found your passion well not necessarily found your passion but you you mentioned Edgar Allan Poe I feel like so many people look at at poetry and think like oh it's nerdy it's this it's that because they think it's this you know sunshine and rainbows coming out of every orifice yeah. and it's yeah. it's not <laughs> always that I I was the kid too that I had a really messed up childhood and I saw things and experienced things that nobody of any age should ever have to. And I turned to Edgar Allan Poe. I turned to the, you know, the not romanticized Shakespeare. Yes. I turned to Christina Rossetti, the dark 
poetry and <laughs> it, it people were like why are you so dark why are you and I was like because I see the beauty in that darkness because exactly. I you know so I feel like so many more people could relate if they you know saw these works for yes. what they really are that's yes. that's a yes. beautiful thing that really yeah. is so was your original writing obviously we'll get into your more current stuff here in a moment but was your earlier writing darker stuff as well or did you Actually, have believe it or not it's funny that you would ask that question because so many people ask me that I actually chose to do the total opposite of what I was okay doing. yeah my writing was totally opposite it was realistic because I can't stand that whole fabricating and mm-hmm. embellishing thing that drives me up the wall but it was I just, I had to write about something positive. I had to write about different outlets. And it's crazy that this question is coming up because the poetry actually led me into being the leader for the youth project for Tim Reed, Farrakhan, um, Jesse Jackson, Lou Rose. It was uh, going on in Chicago where it was time for them to build the um, railroad tracks that 100 years has passed because every 100 years they redo the railroad tracks. So okay. I actually had to be the youth leader for more than 1,000 young people. And I was out there speaking to them, showing them which direction to go into, talking to them about how we were going to do things. And I actually sat down with the whole board because Believe it or not, Farrakhan was the one who chose me to actually be the youth leader because of all my past works that I had done. <laughs> wow. Congratulations. That is huge. Thank that you. is so huge and such a great honor. Oh, my goodness. Wow. And we won. And we won what? What? Because we, we, we had to actually go back after we won the first time, because the first time was they didn't want any Blacks working on a railroad. So we fought, we won, Blacks got the opportunity to work on a railroad. Then after we got the opportunity to work on a railroad, they didn't want to pay us the same as they paid everybody else. So it was no equal opportunity as far as the pay was concerned. So we fought for that, we won that as well. And then I ended up meeting a young lady and it's so crazy because you look so much like this young lady. Oh I'm, my goodness! I didn't even see. I I didn't even know that she was one of the young ladies. She just happened to be talking about how this guy got up there. She said she couldn't see me because I was so far away, and because she wore glasses, so she was like, "I couldn't really see him." She's like, "But I was listening to a woman say you sound just like him," and I was like, "For what? What? What was going on?" She explained the project, and I was like, "Yeah, that was me." She bursted out in tears in front of everybody. We were actually on public transportation at this time. And she bursted out in tears in front of everybody, tears of joy in front of everybody. It was an awesome experience to even have that happen. (laughs) Wow. That is so beautiful. That is so beautiful to have that kind of impact on people. That is that is something that not everybody can say that they've done in their lifetime. That is, that is commendable for sure. Thank you. Who or what influences your work the most? Truly nature and nature actually influences the most. 
and the reason why I say that is because, like, let's say right now, with you and I here, being inspired by unladylike, just those words, just that word right there, unladylike, mm-hmm. that right there would lead me to write a poem about how different you are versus what the type of says. Okay. <laughs> Right. So just nature, just natural occurrences, natural things that happen inspire me to actually write. And I'm inspired by so many different things almost every day. Makes (laughs) sense for sure. For sure. I, I love it when people can get inspired just by the most, like you said, natural of things. I'm one Mm. of those people, like I will overthink myself into writer's block. And then (laughs) I'm just sitting there like, my creative energy is just gone. I have nothing, absolutely nothing. Can't come up with a single sentence. So I, that is truly inspiring to me. Do you feel creative writing? Do you feel creative writing played a role in surviving the war-torn streets of Chicago? Oh my goodness, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Because it gave me the opportunity to have an outlet. I was able to actually speak at different engagements, um, to speak in uh, different places because I was able to travel with my poetry and be able to speak in other cities and other states that I actually got to speak in. It inspires me now because even people who watch any of my social media actually get to see me doing impromptus. I have one that's on my um, Spotify. It's called 60 Off the Top. And it's where I do a whole bunch of poems for 60 seconds off the top of my head. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Just improv. Just, oh my goodness. (laughs) So I I am so mind blown over people who can do any type of improv because I can't. (laughs) I can't think off the top of my head to save my life. I am just, (laughs) no, I can't do it. I can't do it. So what, how did you build your ability to do that? And how, how did you build the confidence to be able to do that, especially on social media where the people are so critical? Yes, yes. Well, the, the first thing that I learned, and I learned this from Charlie Wilson at the age of seven, because I met him with Coolin Gang as well as the Gap Band at the age of seven. And oh first thing he told me was, you have to just allow your crowd, allow your audience to be the judge. If you're the judge of your own work, you'll never put it out. But if you're, yeah. if you allow your audience to be the judge of your works, you'll see the rebuttals, you'll see the replies, and you'll be surprised at what you get because you can't dictate what everybody else likes. Only everybody else can dictate what they like. Yeah. I think <laughs> so spend too much time worrying about what other people may like about our works. We end up missing out on so much. I like that <laughs> a lot. I like that a lot. Especially the the inner imposter syndrome in me. I that I really <laughs> respect and appreciate that that insight for sure. Who do you look up to the most? Oh my goodness. Um, R.I.P. to my grandma, Louise. R.I.P. to my grandma, Barbara. 
all right, this is my great grandma, Cecile, because those three ladies, and RIP to my auntie, Bobby, those four ladies have had the most impact on my entire life, the entire time that they were here. And I say that because if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have learned as much about women as I know today, as far as the old school way that things are. And then it took me to a level to where I wanted to start to learn more about women as far as studying, researching um, my four years of psychology classes. And that also led me into the whole relationship building thing, this wanting to about women and being inspired by the fact that women are not seen as an equal. That inspired me. And I say that because I never thought that a woman could not be equal to a man. I don't see that. Wow. And the way that I see equality is different from the way that most people see equality. Okay. <laughs> and, and how do you see equality in comparison to how others see equality? So the way I see it is, let's say, for example, let's put a man and a woman together. So okay. you're looking at the man and you're looking at a woman. Let's take, for example, the most um <clears throat> underrated and misunderstood situation like for example the man is working and the woman is not and this okay. is an example so in my eyes when you say a woman is not working that means that she's sitting at home she's doing nothing and i mean literally nothing whether it's just sleeping getting up watch tv and that's it Okay. I disagree with that. So if the man has a job and he's doing his job outside the home, he's doing what he needs to do. If the woman's at home and she's taking care of that home, she's cleaning, she's cooking, she's making sure that home is safe, she's making sure the home is the way it needs to be. When you get home, she's making sure that all these things are done. So by the time you get home, now you don't have too much to do except for something that she couldn't do. So if it was something that she could not do and you're able to do it, then who leads that project? You lead that project. But if it's something that she can do and you can't do it, who leads that project? She leads that project. Now, the key is don't try to overtake her or overturn her or undercut her because that puts you here and not here because you not look at her as somebody who has informal capabilities, abilities to do things that you cannot do. Let's say that there's a subject matter. Let's say that someone comes to your house and they're saying, hey, can you tell me about how if your plumbing makes any noise or makes any sounds or anything, are you there all day? No, you're not. Are you the one who's able to hear this stuff that's going on all day? No, you're not. Um, excuse me? Here so who takes the lead? Who takes the lead? So she's able to answer those questions that you cannot answer. So sit your ass down somewhere and stop <laughs> of something that you cannot lead. <laughs> Sit your ass down somewhere, sir. <laughs> so technically, that's 
his 50 because he's outside doing what he has to do. He come home and make sure that he helps out on things that she can't do. And that's her 50 because she's doing everything that's supposed to be done in that household, except for things that she has no ability to do. Facts. That's it. Facts. That's 50, 50. So when people look at 50, 50, you can't look at 50, 50 as she has a job. I have a job. We both leave out to go to work and I go jump in my car. She jumps in her car. We, it, does, it don't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Everybody has equality, but the strengths are sometimes in different areas. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, do you have any tips advice i don't like to say tricks because i feel like there are no tricks in life um if if there were life would be so much easier and everybody would just be skating right on the road um but do you have any tips or advice for our audience members before we close for the day most definitely first things first if there's any type of relationship be it parent to child um couples relatives siblings irregardless of what it is be advised that you need to have open communication and that communication needs to be honest. Increase yes. your integrity in life because that integrity is what's going to carry you from where you are now to an elevated state of being. And if you're not willing to be at that elevated state of being, then step back and let somebody else move to the forefront because you're wasting everybody else's time. I don't know. <laughs> Right. I know that is so right. <laughs> yes. Church. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, where can my audience find more of you and your work? Most definitely. You can actually find me on social media. You can find me on YouTube, um, Pinterest, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can find me in all those places. Uh, my website is under construction right now, but it is yellowdecor.com, Y-E-H-L-O-E. -E. So check me out there. Once I get everything finished, it's under construction right now. So I'm redoing everything and revamping it. And also stay tuned because I also have some new things that I'm actually working on right now as well. So if you stay uh -huh. in touch with me on my social media sites, I post these things as I'm going. So yeah. <laughs> okay okay and for anybody who did not catch the socials or the spelling don't worry you already know your girl got you i'm gonna drop it in the description <laughs> box below um thank you so much yellow the poet it has been truly a pleasure and an honor to kick it with you today i hope we get a chance to chop it up again soon and for my audience members you already know, on ladies, ladies, gentlemen alike, and everybody in between, I love y'all fiercely.